last season on Just Cow in the City. And I am not going to let Leslie Jones ruin my new year. We're going to eat all the chicken parm to make the waiter look ridiculous. Paul Rudd came in to talk to the class. This guy is fantastic. So Esty from the comedy show starts screaming, John Apatow, come listen. Dave just got teaching a class on Clueless. You went to sushi with Yul Brenner in 1973? Perhaps somebody wants to explain to me how two hamburgers and a french fry can cost $81. And my friend Dan says his kid has been getting in trouble in school because he's listening to me on the radio for some reason saying, it's ridiculous, I'm getting so good at it. This girl comes up to me after class. She's like, Professor, can you drive me to my car? And I'm like, sure, I can. Wait a minute. Everybody's toasting to the professor. What do you mean, Leo's gone? Who's going to fix my power steering? If you ever get to go to this place, you got to have a snow boken. I am Jessica Dad, taller than your average Jew. I go to the eye doctor. She's like, oh, your glasses are bad because you're never going to see right again. Black birdie. All I asked for was a little bit of Parmesan cheese. What is the big deal? Who gets diarrhea that often? It can't end like this. I'm building a shoe rack. That's because he's an ass He's always in trouble As if he was a third grader He's like Barney Rubble He seems pretty dumb But he always has fun Just cow in the city Sometimes he's witty when the pressure is low. Just cow in the city. He's dynamite. Podcast should be on the radio. <laughs> yeah. What? We're back. What a stupid song. But, you know, we always try something new. From Billy Joel's Stormfront, the title track, Stormfront, now, of course, just called just cow in the city. Ooh, he's hilarious. Yeah, well, you know, we try it out, and then uh, usually when somebody gives it, they're like, oh, I can't stand that song. I go like, ah, crap. But for now, it's uh, hilarious just to even uh, try something ridiculous and new when I think we all know I should go back to the original uh, Just Cow in the City, Summer in the City song because we all like that, but I mean, you know, after a while, you're just like, all right, I'm done with this. It's like, you know, how they stopped it in, in Hollywood making television with opening credits. You know, every time I watch Family Tide, I gotta sit through that goddamn opening. Every time you watch something, your friends, you gotta sit through the opening. I mean, at least TBS kind of figured it out. They put it on, at the, they do it really quick because nobody cares for the opening anymore. You know, on Netflix, you skip past the opening all the time, even the old ones. The, the problem is on Paramount Plus, when I watch Cheers, you still got to watch like 10 seconds of the opening before they press the skip button. It drives me nuts. But that's the issue. If you're going to hear it every week, I mean, I got to change it up every couple of months because otherwise, you know, you're going to go. I'm like, oh, I can't take it anymore, even though it's ridiculously catchy. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another season of Just Cow in the City. Geez, I forgot to figure it out. Is this my eighth season or ninth season? No, I think it's my eighth. I don't know. 
I got to come up with that figure. It's easy to figure out. Uh, we started as the spread in this exact time of whatever year, whatever my purple computer is, which I had to get in my laptop, which is old and doesn't, you know, is still works, but it's, you know, it just doesn't understand streaming and COVID and all that stuff because it was bought a long time ago. But yes, starting exactly this time, whatever, eight, nine years ago, and almost uh, what we already did 400, so we're almost in the uh, 500 episodes doing 50 a year. I guess that would be easy to figure out, wouldn't it, then? The spread, and then moving on to the night fly, and then finally just uh, just get on the city. Three name changes, James changes in uh, eight years isn't too bad. Uh, they do that with a lot of our favorite shows. I believe what wasn't the the honeymoon is the Jackie Gleason show first, and then the honeymoon is he goes. What, what's the other McMillan and wife became McMillan. <laughs> Oh, that kind of stuff is exactly what I like to teach my kids. As a college professor, I don't mind telling you. Anyway, what, what the, well, I want to say there's so much to say. We've been gone two weeks, but there's not that much to say. I've been kind of taking it easy because I don't remember whether I told you before we left, but I finally got COVID. I mean, I definitely tested for COVID, but even though it didn't feel like COVID, I kind of it felt it was a much longer term illness in a way, even though the first days of the COVID lasted really exactly 48 hours, you know, with a fever and everything, 48 hours, it was done. No, not even a runny nose or a sore throat, but I kept having headaches, not horrible headaches, just, you know, those frustrating ones where you really can't concentrate a little bit. And you know, one wrong move could make it worse. So I was kind of taking it easy where, you know, I was trying to walk home every day, the five mile walk and stuff. And I'm like, you know what? This isn't working. I'm not ready. I need to seriously hydrate. I wasn't hydrating enough. But today and the and yesterday, uh, I feel 10 times better. I would say even, I mean, today I'm taping I'm our usual Friday, uh, September 1st, actually. Welcome to the month of September. And even, so yesterday I would say would be my first day and yet at the end i did have diarrhea so thank you so much folks yeah this, the podcast hasn't changed i don't know what gave it to me probably the stress of the first day of class and i really thought it was going to go away and it was one of those things i'm like no i think i actually have to go to the bathroom before i go on my way so uh, it was exciting but i didn't feel that way when i was teaching the class it was all after because i felt like okay these kids are looking at me like they are just not enjoying this class so it's more it was absolutely a stress induced stomach issue from making myself crazy because I'm trying to please these kids as I would a comedy audience. And when you look into the audience and you see people just kind of sitting there, some of them sleeping and stuff, it messes you up mentally and physically. So what are you going to do? Anyway, all that being said, it is an absolutely picture-perfect day. Why wouldn't it be, at least in New York City, which is so rare to say, but not in the month of September? As we know, I think I mentioned this, every year on the opening season podcast, there was not one clear day documented in the history of time, because we only know about two weather-related things in the history of time. We know 
that when the Declaration of Independence was signed in 1776 on that 4th of July, it was hot and humid. And they couldn't decide whether to have the windows open or closed because it was bad every way. We know that. And we know on September 11th, 2001, it was an absolutely picture perfect, not a cloud in the sky day. And that's usually what September brings. And boy, is this day absolutely perfect. Yesterday was perfect. I told you the summer really hasn't been that bad. Obviously, we expect in the middle of September, sometimes there'll be another humid day. But right now, picture perfect blue skies, a beautiful full moon last night, which I finally got to see. In fact, the night before, I could actually look out my window in Manhattan and see it and, of course, play this song. which I can't believe I didn't have ready in my car when I go you know, around the Lincoln Tunnel, see the skyline, and the moon sitting right over it. I mean, how do I not have this ready to go? But I was done, and I was ready to go home. That's a whole other story, and we'll get to that in a second. But why don't we just start off where we left off, and may I just say, uh, before we begin, hello. I hope everybody had an amazing holiday. I hope everybody had a great summer. And once again, thank you for joining Patreon and supporting me and my three shows that I have, this one, the Billy Joel one, and the Tuesday Night Comedy Cellar one. They all support each other, and thank you very much for being a Patreon supporter, and those of you who have not, please join. Now, I can't promise you a great bonus show this week, because... I didn't take that many photos. I kind of tried to stay in. I was very nervous about, from what I've heard about COVID, about a relapse. And I really just didn't want that at any cost. So let me tell you what I gave up. Well, I'll tell you this. Well, let's just start where we left off after I left you two weeks ago. As you know, I went to see the Back to the Future musical. Me, my sister... My niece, Dory, my nephew, Billy, my brother-in-law, and my date, Alan Altman. <laughs> I have pictures of that, of course. That's probably the last pictures I took, and maybe one next Monday. And it was awesome. It was fantastic. And for all the reasons I ever tell you or review a Broadway show for you, not that anyone cares, but maybe you do. I don't know. It seems like whenever I put a Broadway show that I am, quote, reviewing in the title, I get a little bit more traction for the podcast. But I will tell you, this one is different than any other one because I don't remember one song, one musical number, and I guarantee that everyone else who left there feels similar. This musical is is the spectacle, the never-boring, extremely entertaining and exciting spectacle, which may be the only production on Broadway, I'm trying to think since 
something. Well, Rocky, I guess. But since Rocky sucked, except for the last 20 minutes, as we've spoken about, I can't say that. But this, maybe Beetlejuice, this this is the only production I've seen in many years, maybe ever, that's completely worth the price of admission. $250, just like going to a goddamn concert. Broadway tickets are ridiculously out of control. It's all that idiot Andrew Lloyd Webber's fault. He's a piece of shit. His musicals stink. He stinks. He ruined Broadway in this sense. On the flip side of that, he made things possible on Broadway that weren't possible before Phantom of the Opera. This all stems from Phantom of the Opera, and people have been trying to take it to the next level. When I saw Life of Pi, that's something that could never have been done before Phantom of the Opera. They never would have thought about doing this kind of stuff on stage. Well, what they did for Back to the Future, and again, you got to point out A Doll's House with Jessica Chastain. That's all you know I complain about. There's paying $250, no sets, no costumes, no nothing, no music, no orchestra. She sits in a chair for two hours, and you're paying the same price for this unbelievable i don't know who the hell's in charge of what they put together and what a what a production can be i'm talking about as soon as you walk in that theater it's fantastic it's all set up you know with clocks and the ticking just like at the beginning and there's a scrim that has writing on it you know that just you can see like not like a curtain but you can see through it and it has Something on it, I, I, I don't remember what it is. I, I do remember at the very end, the thing comes down and it just says, now make like a tree and get out of here. So that's great. This production was so good. The only person that wasn't memorable at all is Marty. But we said that before because me and my, my sister can't stand the guy because she saw him in Absolutely Fabulous, the musical, and he was horrible. And it's not that he was horrible. He's just, you know, who cares? He ain't that great. The doc... The guy who played Doc Brown, I don't know his name. He's a Broadway veteran guy. He was terrific. Made it his own. Didn't didn't do oh, Marty. He did it his own way, and it was fantastic. You didn't have any problem with that. The guy that played George McFly, Marty's dad, the Crispin Glover role, did it exactly like Crispin Glover, and boy, was that fun. It was great. No, Biff. Get your damn hands out. Do you really think I should swear? He was so funny. He was so good. When he was dancing, he danced funny. It was, uh, the mom was terrific. She was very pretty and she was good. I'll tell you, they they played up the mother-son thing heavily to where you thought maybe they would shy away from that. I'm glad they didn't. Because for me, even though, you know, they talk about like, well, you could never make a movie like that again where the mother's in love with the son because it is a little strange, even though, you know, we can go back to the the Greek tragedies with uh, Oedipus and all that kind of stuff. We People have been talking about this in Freud for years. You know, don't let it go because it, it's it's something that completely makes sense. Why wouldn't a mother, mother, we know mothers have unconditional love for their sons and love can be in strange ways. And even though as weird and as sick as it is, we know how funny it is. We know the purpose of why it happened and we know how they handle it at the end, which is just terrific that the universe is saying, something is very wrong. Can I kiss you? It's like kissing my brother. Uh, It's really good. And 
I love that they did that. They changed a couple of things, you know, like no Libyans, actually, you know, and 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 how he, uh, you know, whatever happens, I don't want to spoil, spoil, but you know, they changed a, a couple of things that really you just you're okay with it, it you know, because because they got all the main points right. It's just like Beetlejuice, where I said like, you know, there's three things you got to get right in Beetlejuice. I'm not exactly sure what they are, but we know for a fact at the end. Lydia has to fly and say, you know, shake, 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 Sonora, you know, whatever that is. We know you're sitting there and you're going like, well, as long as they have that and find her a way to, you know, mystically fly, then everybody can leave the theater going, like, well, you know, they, they got it right. So it's kind of like that. So all the stuff you wanted happened. And the way even they came up with the idea to put the picture when you can see he's being erased from existence up on the screen and and what they had to show the picture, you know, because that's something you never think about. In the movies, they're just showing the picture. But they have to have something so they can show it to the audience and they have like an old-fashioned, like almost like a overhead projector when we were kids, something like that. And then they just got away from that and just kept showing the picture up. And, and that was even, you know, you're sitting like, how are they going to do that? And I'm like, oh my God, that's brilliant. So really, the whole thing is just made up of like, oh, that's great. Oh, that's great. This is great. The hoverboard, the skate, you know, it's like they, you know, even a, a testament to Back to the Future 2 at some points, and they really they really go for it. It's really great. Mayor Goldie Wilson has an amazing musical number, and it's a really terrific show, and I can't recommend it highly enough, especially if you're a huge fan of Back to the Future like me and Alan and my brother-in-law and the kids are. We love Back to the Future. My brother-in-law, I've never seen him like this. You know, he's not a musical guy. He actually totally enjoyed Sarah Silverman's musical. So we've been taking him to the good ones because I told you that musical is fantastic in a completely different way. This is like I said, with Sarah's show, you leave the theater singing some of the songs. You remember the musical numbers, obviously written by the great Adam Schlesinger. In this show, I couldn't tell you one goddamn song there was not one except for the power of love and they also do back in time and you know that's what you're leaving the theater singing i don't remember one musical number i i can play a couple now and you know they're they're just okay it doesn't matter they're fine they kept me bobbing along i was you know just going la 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 i mean really having a great time there wasn't a clunker in the bunch Everything was very, just, it was, I never fell asleep for even a moment. And my brother-in-law said the same thing. We were just thoroughly entertained for three hours or however long it is. And uh, there's the one scene at the dance where he's like, come on, get lost, McFly. And my brother-in-law's like, he's like yeah. Because I'm telling you, they even hit those little things that we love because we everybody knows the movie backwards and forwards. Although I really believe there were a lot of people in the audience who had never seen the movie before. And they thoroughly enjoyed it. Because I remember sitting there with Groundhog Day and people like, I don't think these people have seen the movie before because the way they were reacting. So I think even if you haven't seen the movie, you're going to like it. So all I'm saying is for all you folks, you find folks that listen to the show. And like I've said, I, I don't think there's anybody who lives in Manhattan that listens except maybe for my friend Kenny. Everybody else lives on opposite sides of the world in the country. And, and as far as New Jersey... If you're coming to town and you're spending, you know, you want to see one Broadway show that's going to be worth the money, this is the one. 
And I think it's going to be around for a, a little bit of time at least. I mean, definitely at least a year. It's just too over the top to just get rid of it. It only opened August 3rd, so it definitely should be here by you know the year or by when uh, hopefully Catalina and Marcy come to town. I, even though you've spent a fortune on Billy Joel tickets, you idiot. I'm so upset about that. I still can't. Ugh, it's driving me crazy, and it makes me so upset. But if you want to spend any more, <laughs> I'm telling you, God damn, this is the one. If people, you know, when people call me and they say, hey, we want to see a show, what should we see? Back to the Future. I'm going to tell you every time, Back to the Future. You will not leave the theater humming a tune, but boy, what a spec. I can't remember, and I never want to see it again. I don't want to go a second time. I think that would ruin it, and maybe I would I would lose something with it. I, I can't even remember a lot of it. The only thing I can remember, Biff has a song with his, uh, you know, those guys, the Billy Zane character or whatever, who I think they just call 3D because uh, he's wearing the glasses, and he has a musical number that's fine and a funny dance move, and he was good. And that's all I seem to remember. Otherwise, I just can't remember it. All I can remember is leaving the theater and we, the six of us were going crazy. We, we found a little place for us outside because, you know, it gets crowded when you leave the theater. And just so we can talk about how fantastic it was and how surprised we were on how entertaining it was. And here's the best part, too. If you don't believe me... Or my brother-in-law, who does not care for Broadway musicals, especially ones that are made from movies. Hard Knocks. Hello. Once again, episode four. Because remember, they've been bringing it. Yeah, I played you the Leslie Nielsen clip, which made me so happy. Episode three had where they're talking about the movie Austin Powers Gold Member because they want to change the red zone to the gold zone. So every time the Jets are at the 20-yard line, they're calling that the gold zone because of gold member. I'm telling you, I already like the Jets anyway, but now I love them. I love that they're in the gold zone, and they're calling it the gold zone with a sense of fucking humor because of Austin Powers' gold member. Man, I love that. It's like it just keeps reminding me of that Super Bowl with Joe Montana, and they're down to the Cincinnati Bengals, and he sees John Candy. He goes, hey, guys, he's in the huddle. I've told you this, and everybody knows it. Guys, I just saw John Candy, <laughs> and they're like, no way. And then he throws the winning touchdown to win the goddamn Super Bowl. I mean, I don't know. You know, somebody that likes that kind of comedy, and I told you Aaron Rodgers talking about how funny Leslie Nielsen was in the naked gun. Oh, make me happy. So this week, go figure, the end credits, I think I could play it for you. I'm not sure if I can get it. All they're talking about is how there's one guy that sees all the musicals, one of the players. I don't know who it is, but he keeps taking Aaron Rodgers with him. So they've seen everything. And all they're talking about this week is how awesome Back to the Future was. How valuable CJ has been the time off the field seeing you guys go on the Broadway shows? Uh, it's been a good time. It's been a good time. We've, we've gone to a fair amount of shows. We saw Shucked. We saw, saw and Juliet. Um, uh, we saw MJ together. We've been to Wicked and now Back to the Future. I saw Chicago two nights ago. I've seen six. Jersey Boys? I've seen that twice. Sweet Todd was really good. It's dark, but I thought it was really good. Hamilton, too. Yeah. Hamilton. Hamilton, Lion King. I love both those. Hamilton's my favorite. Book of Mormon, I've, la I've never laughed so hard in my life. Leah Michelle, funny girl. Back to the Future was really good, too. I, I, I highly recommend Back to the Future. I was surprised. Like, I, I want to go see that again. How is the Back to the Future? It that's is new. a must-watch. Yeah, let me tell you right now, okay? We saw Back to the Future. 
That shit was incredible. Okay, that was unbelievable. I mean, they, they bring that play to life. You're in there and you just want to dance and everything. I really, really liked it. Um, again, Back to the Future was fucking nuts. It was insane. She's my French, but I gotta say it was insane. Zach, what's your favorite play you've seen? Wicked. Yeah. I love Wicked. Wicked's my favorite. Wicked. I, I like Wicked. Wicked's up there for me too. Up there? Yeah, it's up there. Oh yeah. Yeah, it's up there for sure. If you say. Oh, this is two minutes. Now, how great is that? But I got something even better for you that is at least good for me. Uh, I thought it was great. I got to meet Bob Gale, the writer of the movie Back to the Future. Last week, we were texting together and now emailing, and I believe he's going to come in and, well, he's definitely, he said he would. He's going to come in and talk to the kids in my class. And I told him, I said, dude, I, he hasn't responded to this. I said, did you watch Hard Knocks last week? They were just talking about how great the musical is. I mean, it's all it's all coming together. I love it when a plan comes together. This is fantastic. I mean, everything back to the future oriented. It's like, I think I can definitely, I can write that show off on my taxes. I mean, I'm teaching a class. I'm, of course, I'm back to the future. I talk about it in class. I mean, it is really good. I cannot sell it enough. I obviously have no vested interest in it at all, so it doesn't matter to me whether you go or not. I'm just saying I always get calls from people from out of town to say, what shows do you recommend? I'm just going to say Back to the Future. My friend Beth Tapper came to town, said, what show do you recommend? I said, for your kids, this Back to the Future wasn't open yet. I would say Wicked, and they loved it. I called. I was like, what did they think? Was I right? Because that's the other thing the Jets were saying. Like Zach Wilson was just like, Wicked's really good. Uh, because that's really good too. You just don't picture football players liking this. Football players are going to love this because everybody knows Back to the Future. That's the funny thing. In the class, when I was teaching Clueless last semester, remember, there was only one girl who actually took the course because she liked the movie Clueless. No one had seen the movie. I was like, you got to be kidding me. So this time I say to myself, well, everyone's seen Back to the Future. I mean, I'm not, you know, I'm not being one of those people that's like, well, everybody's seen The Godfather and then, being mad at a 20-year-old because they haven't seen a movie from 50 years ago. I don't get that way. I understand what it's like being young because, you know, I date kids that age. Now, anyway, who said that? Uh, uh, So if I could just didactic, didactic. Um, So so, so I'm thinking, okay, back to the future, everybody's seen. And wouldn't you know it, one of the girls from my other class Hasn't seen. I'm like, are you what? This is the one that you show your kids when they're 11 and you make sure like Star Wars, you show them Star Wars and back to the future. This isn't like in the old days, like, you know, when there was nothing and you couldn't show somebody. It's not. I mean, we got to see Mary Poppins, I guess. When I was younger, I guess, I mean, you know, they didn't make movies. You know, maybe you get to see Willy Walker. You definitely got to see the Wizard of Oz because they aired it on TV all the time. It wasn't like that. But nowadays, you know, you can pick and choose whatever the hell you want to show the kids. How how would you not show them Back to the Future? I mean, at least at the age of 11 and Star Wars. These are the, the two basics that you have to assume, really assume, making an ass out of you and me, that a 20-year-old has seen, especially if they're in the, par- the department of film and television out of college. I mean, you got to be kidding me, right? Especially if you're taking a science fiction class called Back to the Future. Are you fucking kidding me? 
but I, again, I just been I was making fun of her the entire time because I know her. And there's a girl she was trying to show me. She's like, "Hey, can I send you my film?" I'm like, "Why don't we watch it next week after class? You know, we can if you want, we can have everybody stay and just kind of watch your film. It's only ten minutes, but we're gonna watch it next week." But she doesn't want anybody else to see. It. I said, "Well, we'll watch. We'll watch it on the big screen. It'll be fun. We'll watch it together." She's like, "I don't know." I'm like, "No, it'll be great." So that's what we'll do it next week. Anyway, so I told them the story of when I was in junior high in 1977 and star wars was the hottest thing that had ever come out in fact i was explaining to them again yes i'm sorry yesterday i had my first class that's why i'm talking about this yesterday was my second semester ever teaching as a college professor at a university so i had my first class i guess that's why i'm so talking about because I was like really excited about I finally you know I was very nervous about getting everything together obviously like a student I waited till the last goddamn minute but I put my you know syllabus and everything together so I was feeling really comfortable about the first day and maybe I'll tell you more about it since we're talking about Back to the Future so I was explaining about the beginnings of time travel you know in literature and stuff like that and then I was telling them that how Star Wars when it came out nobody had seen anything like it before they made space movies but they were all stupid and campy and here's a guy that said well i'm going to make one that i'm that i know is going to be campy but i'm still taking it extremely serious and here's a guy and even though we all hate george lucas now because he ruined everything and i'll and i said i would explain that in a second why where they lost their way you know this one he he invented techniques and lighting that we use today because he's like no i'm going to take this goddamn serious there's never been a movie like this before and it all starts with the most interesting thing of all, and I was trying to explain to them, when you were in that theater in 1977, and the first thing that comes up a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, people were flipping out. I remember being there with my dad, and people were going, a long time ago, a long, what, are they, what do you mean? Nobody had ever thought. Wait a minute, a space movie, every space movie we had ever seen, Star Trek, all that kind of stuff, always took place in the distant future. In 3042 Battlestar Galactica, space 1999, right? It's always the future, future. Nobody had ever thought the most easiest thing a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. It, it, it's not the distant future. It's the past. Oh, my God. It, all of a sudden, you're like, this, movie, this movie's going to be unbelievable because they've already changed the concept. This is like nothing I've ever seen before. And then... I was trying to explain to them about the scroll, the opening crawl, the credits. I'm like, oh, my God, nobody had ever done this before. The credits going, you know, like in a 3D kind of way. I mean, this is amazing. And then I was explaining the crawl, you know, which says all these fun things like the evil Darth Vader. This No, the sinister Darth Vader and the, the Death Star and all because of the evil galactic empire. And it had all these fun words. And again, if you're a kid and you're watching me, even though a kid, my dad was enjoying it just as much. And you're watching this and you're like, this guy, you know, before it even started, you're like, this guy already gets it because it's campy and it's fun. And this is going to be a really fun ride. And that's just the opening fucking credits before it even starts, let alone, as you know, the first movie or the fourth movie, A New Hope, uh, begins with uh, C-3PO and R2-D2 running between, you know, a big battle. So it just, I mean, that movie, if you think about it, if you're thinking about the franchise and what it is and what it has become and the iconicness of it, just you're talking about the first four minutes of the film that 
brought it up, that drove you, wow, it's 1977 and no one's even attempted the first four minutes of this film like this before. I know I'm in for a ride. I was trying to explain it to him. But then the best part is I showed them the opening crawl for uh, episode two. What is it? The, the Clone Wars. And now they completely lost their way. And the opening credits just talk about a Senate vote. And uh, like we have Princess uh, whatever the, the, the Natalie Portman character has to go because it's important for her to be at the chair of the Senate when they make the vote about it's all these amendments and stuff like that. And then I showed them The Simpsons where they completely just made fun of that exact thing where they're like, this guy's been taking roll call of the Senate for a half an hour now. Amendments? Regulatory agencies? What the fuck, bud? Don't worry. They're just getting the plot out of the way so it won't slow down the pew, pew, pew. Before the Galactic Senate votes, we shall call roll. Star System Abaton? Yeah. Star System Acroilius. The decision is final. Tabled, this motion is. Or is it? That sucked. I can't believe the Gathering Shadow was Senate redistricting. Worst cosmic wars ever. I will only see it three more times. Today. So it wasn't just me who noticed that that Star Wars franchise had lost its way and just got too political when you're thinking about the first three for sure that just had a, a joy to it, let alone the joy of Harrison Ford and the Han Solo character, which was just completely missing in the next ones. I'm talking about not just one, two, three, where he was sorely missed, but even seven that he's in, but he wasn't funny at all. I mean... That's what was missing, and they tried to make that guy Poe maybe funny or like him. Doesn't work. Something about Harrison Ford, who, remember, is not a fun guy. And the fact that he's so funny as Han Solo and, quite frankly, Indiana Jones, he's a really good actor because you've seen him, you know, interviewed. He is not a fun guy, but boy, did that make uh, the, you know, the movie special. Anyway, that all being said... We'll go back to back to the future. I found out some really, you know, I had the first draft of the script. I, I hope this is interesting to all of you. I was just kind of really excited about the class. And I really got into it. And I was explaining, I had some pictures of the original script. And I was saying, you know, this is interesting because this was dropped. And, you know, you have to question why. Um, number one, for instance, the Doc Brown the way he came up with the flux capacitor was supposedly he was hanging a picture and he fell and he hit his head on the toilet. But in the, the draft number four, which was like one draft before the original or for the one they use in the movie, he is having a huge party in 1955 with a bunch of hot girls. He's like a swinger. And, you know, Marty comes up to him and he throws him out uh, while he's got two girls on his arms and then Marty's looking through the window and he whispers something to one of the hot girls and she breaks a beer bottle over his head. And that's when he comes to the idea of the flux capacitor and has the wild look. It's like that's how he became the crazy Doc Brown that we know at that moment. And it reminded me, if I don't know if you remember the taxi episode that Christopher Lloyd, you know, playing Jim, the, the druggy induced Jim hippie guy, there's an episode 
where he was perfectly normal and going to Harvard. In fact, I think Tom Hanks is in the episode. And then he tries his first pot brownie and you can see the wild look in his eye. So I bet, and this is something I can ask Bob Gale, that's where they might have come up for the idea like, oh, he was perfectly normal and here's his, you know, quote, origin story. On the flip side of that, in this draft, the most basic question was answered, which nobody, as I said, there are six hours of film, three movies, a trilogy of movies, and they never explain how Doc and Marty met. And the, the kids told me that John Mulaney was uh, explaining. He's got a bit where he was explaining why is this? I didn't know. How does this 17-year-old become friends with a 70-year-old man? Well, in the draft just before it went, they explained it. And it was kind of made sense. I don't know what their reason for cutting it out. I kind of maybe see it because maybe it ruins a little bit of it later. But apparently he explains to his girlfriend the way they met, which would make perfect sense. It's funny that no one, we don't care. We don't seem to care how they met. They just let it go. And it's funny when you'd be thinking about it when you're first watching it. it just, it's, it's just like the Broadway musical. You're just like, I don't care. I'm having a good time with this, so I'm going to let it go. They're just friends, and that's okay. I'm good with that. And, of course, if you put your mindset in a movie or a show like that and just don't think like the comic book guy and like, excuse me, but why would a 17-year-old be friends with a 70-year-old? Then you're doing okay. But the reason they actually met is that apparently Doc Brown sought out Marty, like knocked on his door and said, hey, kid, would you like 50 bucks a week to clean out my garage and I'll give you free beer? And that's how they became friendly. Which because now we clearly know that Doc had to befriend Marty because he already knew what was going to happen, which is why he was able to prepare himself with the bulletproof vest. So that's kind of interesting, but then I could see how maybe that would take away. But then you have to say to yourself, well, you're being two other films. There's not one scene where somebody asks, How did you guys meet? Just and then I was explaining to them that like the the biggest box office movies that have ever been, which are the Marvel movies, all they ever do is reboot. Let's tell the origin story again. Let's tell how Spider-Man became Spider-Man again. Like people love the origin story, and yet you have a trilogy of classic movies that made over a billion dollars and nobody ever asked, well, how did actually the two main characters meet? Does anybody know? It's never said. So fascinating to ask Bob Gale. And when I say fascinating, I mean fascinating to me, and I'm hoping to you, but it's possible at this point I may have lost you just like I may have lost my students. But again, I can't tell what the thing I was just talking to Alon. And he said, it's like when Paul Lawrence playing this unbelievable thing and you're just sitting there with the puss on your face. I can't tell whether you're enjoying it or not. And I know he is very much like my niece. But when you just can't see somebody's expressions and they're just sitting there and I'm just like, I don't know. Am I getting through to these kids? But I guess all teachers feel that way. Meanwhile, again, it was so that I'm just finishing up with the musical. Uh, they, they got the car flies, which, of course, you want to happen. But you got to see that in the theater. It's great. And during the Enchantment Under the Sea dance, they got like bubbles and everything. It's, it reminded me of uh, Waiting for Guffman when the guy that was clearly in love with Corky, they do something in the audience. Maybe they have balloons fall or something. I don't know. Or this, they have lights and the way Corky directed the show. And that guy's like, oh, my God. You know, like everybody's like in awe. It was kind of like when those bubbles came down, the audience went crazy. They always had a gimmick, maybe even knowing this is a stupid show. The songs are just okay, which again, they were fine. I never, I can't remember one, 
But those little things, the bubbles and the enchantment and the sea dash and everything, all those little things were really terrific. And people were dressing up to go. There were a bunch of Martys. You know, there was a kid wearing the jacket. And they go, hey, Matt, check it out. That dork thinks he's going to drown. <laughs> so we were doing that. There were people dressed as Doc. It was really, people got into it. It was exciting because, you know, it had only opened about 10 days earlier. And I don't remember seeing any reviews. My sister and I were talking. I, don't, I didn't see any reviews. I haven't heard anybody talking about it. <sighs> You know, it's not a chorus line. It's not, it, 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 it's, I, I don't want to say it's not groundbreaking because what it does for production and, and, and what you can do live on a stage eight days a week is phenomenal. I mean, it's really something special that I don't think the likes of Broadway would see. And I mean, it's just like, you know, it just shows you how far they've come from fan of the Phantom of the Opera where the big thing was this, the chandelier falling into the audience and the uh, the phantom rowing the boat in the caverns, you know, on stage and those effects that we all thought were unbelievable and were really great in 1987, 88 have come so far. It's really phenomenal, you know, whatever they do with lighting and fog and however they get it to you where we're all sitting there going like, wow, this is great. Obviously, I just highly recommend it if you because because it's totally worth the money. I mean, nothing's worth two hundred and fifty bucks, right? Even if you go see a concert, you're like, uh, I can't believe I just spent a thousand bucks to see the Rolling Stones. I mean, it was only three hours. Now what do I do? You know. But if you got to pay two hundred fifty, all the shows are two fifty. You want to see a Broadway show? This is the one you're gonna get your money's worth for, as long as you like Back to the Future. I mean, you really don't even have to like musicals to like this. Marty McFly, uh, we are the Pinheads, and we'll have this show song. You ready, guys? The power of love is a curious thing. Make a one man weep, Hello. make another man sing. Hello! Che- Your audition's over, McFly. Christmas trickle, and I don't understand. That song is crap. Besides, you're a slacker, McFly, from a whole family of slackers. Face it, you've got no future. I've got no future I won't be getting out of here Seems no matter what I do My dreams are never coming true Uh, I'm sorry, I just got really excited about it, and it just did go in with my class, which was yesterday, my first class, a beautiful day on campus, you know, and that's the beautiful, I haven't been there in the fall, so of course my, yes, this coming through, the training places, music is coming true, walking around campus, even though it was August 31st, it still feels like it's a fall day, even though everybody's wearing shorts. I was deciding what to wear, I'm like, I'm obviously not going to wear shorts, but I'm not and I don't want to, I, I got to dress like a professor, but I'm not going to wear a jacket, like a suit jacket on August 31st. I mean, at least before Labor Day, there's no way I'm doing it. 
And so then I met the kind of president of the school of communication. I just went to, I'd email him saying, I'll be by. I've never met you before. You know, I'd like to meet you. And I said, I'll, I'll come by. I, I went like to the camps like three hours early so I could like meet a bunch of people that I hadn't met before. I thought it would be cool. And uh, he was wearing a jacket, but jeans. And I'm like, oh, man, you're wearing a jacket. I, I was like, I don't want to wear a jacket till after Labor Day, which finally he found was funny, thank goodness. But I was just wearing a shirt with the jeans, a button-down shirt, of course. And I, But I was worried about that. I'm like, well, what am I going to wear today? It's too soon to wear black. I usually wear a black shirt and go in, and sometimes I'll wear a jacket with it. But it was August 31st. The first time I started was in January, so it wasn't an, you know, it was easy to figure out. Anyway, I met with this guy, and then I met with another professor, and we decided... They say, the guy goes, hey, you know, they are interested in expanding your course. In fact, the guy was like, how come you're not doing three credits this month? Why are you still doing a one credit? I'm like, oh, I, I don't know. I, I actually think it's my fault. I think when I first met with David, he goes, do you want to do a three or a one? I'm like, I think I better start with a one. And then this just happened. I think they were upset that I wasn't teaching more because I think he's like, we have so many students. I said, well, I can teach more. You know, I'm free Thursdays and Fridays. I can, I can do more classes. I'm up for anything. So I, I, I think there were so, so they said, well, I think we have an idea to expand your classes. What have you been doing? And they've been talking to the head of the school. And so right now, this is the plan for next semester. Wait, wait do you hear this. This is, I mean, if you wanted to take the last class, I mean, this is, this is even better. So I, I know there's 16 week classes, but we cut them into three parts, five, five, and five. So I guess the 16th would be the, Big, you know, finals. Five, five, and five. Time travel, clueless romantic comedies, and 80s films. That's the new edition. And somehow, like, we, we haven't decided what we're going to call it, three different genres, whatever it is. But I'll be able to do everything I was doing with all the work I've already prepared and then add on 80s films. Hello. You know, when I went around the room and asked everybody their favorite film, somebody said, coming to America, I could not have been happier. And somebody said another 80s film. I was, like, thrilled. So... Why not? I mean, are you kidding? Are you kidding? What? They're going to pay me for this? Talking about what I'm just talking to you about right now? This is fantastic. So I think that's the plan. That's the big three-credit, full-semester, 16-week course. And then, you know, I told them I, you know, I could teach other ones. I could teach acting classes. I could teach. I'll, I'll teach anything. I, I love doing it. It's so... I just... I really like it, and I, you know, when you do the three credit, it'll be more kids. Right now, I just have, um, I think there's 11 kids in my class now because, you know, because it's one credit, so it's like a really difficult thing to just take and kind of wasting of time in many ways for if you're a student, especially at a school like this, it was more of a commuter school. You know, you want to get your credits, you got it. You're probably still working. One of the girls came in and says, uh, "I have to. I was late." I'm so sorry, Professor. Uh, I just I work at the, you know, at the mall, and I had to get. I'm like, no, it's, you were two minutes late. It's perfectly okay. It's like, but I don't know whether I can come next week because I have a meeting at work. And I'm like, it's. I'm like, wait, you know, you're gonna miss two classes out of eight. That's not good. But again, you have to realize it's one credit, and I don't really care. But if it's three credit, then what do I do? I don't know. Tell on her. <laughs> but she was so nice. Everybody was great i think just can't believe uh i'm doing it next week i'm gonna teach them about star trek <laughs> again i don't know whether they care i talked to my friend alex sulkin you know from family guy he said he could come in and, you know zoom into the kids so 
Also, I bought a new computer because that was the problem with Paul Rudd last time. It's like I have an old purple laptop that I bought for the first episode of Just Cow in the City, as we used to call the spread. So, you know, there was no such thing as Zoom back then or, you know, video chatting and, 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 and Teams and, you know, just the, the stuff we use for the, the comedy seller thing. You know, they just didn't have that. That wasn't a thing. So this computer is old in that sense, even though it's perfect for what I need for the, the class. It works. But I was like, I got to get a new computer and I don't really have the money to buy a new computer even though I'm taking these girls out for $300 dinners. I looked at it that way. Uh, but um, I found one on Amazon. They just said it was a clearance sale, and I found one for like 200 bucks, like a brand-new laptop. I, I don't know why it's a clearance sale. Maybe we'll find out the hard way. But it was an HP laptop. for It wasn't like refurbished or anything, at least so they said. And it was only 200 bucks. And I, I don't know, maybe the model's just going out of style, whatever, but I'm sure it's good enough for me that it at least be able to provide the proper streaming because I, I really need it for basics. So hopefully, but of course, it was supposed to be there by Wednesday and it's like, oh, your ship's delayed. I'm like, I need it for tomorrow. And I called them and I'm like, you guys suck. What could possibly be the problem? It's a beautiful day here. Meanwhile, I guess maybe I wasn't taking into consideration the hurricane in North Carolina. Who the hell knows? You know, it's like, but when you're, you know, I said I would have paid for expedited shipping if I knew it was going to be late. And I'm like, and you know, it's just that robot thing that you get. And you're like, we're sorry, did this help? And I'm like, no, I want to speak to somebody now. And mostly like, I knew there was nothing I could do. And I already put it in my head. I'm like, all right, all right. I won't get it this week, but I'll have it for next week. But I still wanted some like compensation. You know, I'm like, can you at least give me 10 bucks back? Because it'll make me feel like you at least did something. They're like, yeah, we can give you 10 bucks back. And then we'll give you 10 bucks for being an Amazon Prime customer, a really good one. I'm like, oh, you know what? Thank you. Because that's all you're looking for. It's like when you call Seamless and you used to be able to call Seamless and they get on the phone with you and they're like, oh my God, I'm sorry that happened there with your food. We'll call the management and retrain them. It's like, you don't even want your money back. You just want some sort of satisfaction for somebody to say, I'm really sorry about that. I, how can I, what can I do? And even like just 20 bucks, even though, you know, the computer was very minimal, wasn't that expensive, but 20 bucks is good. I mean, just something that said, you know, you really ruined my plans and I only bought this because I heard it was coming on Wednesday and if it can't get here and of course it came like while I was in class you know you got the the text saying your computer's arrived I'm like thanks a lot jerk off but whatever I have it now I mean I guess I haven't opened it yet I'm hoping it's going to work and be fine and I bought a new mouse for it I have you know my clicker for my uh, picture presentation that I was using you know explaining about Rip Van Winkle and the Connecticut Yankee and King Arthur's Court early time travel i bought like a new uh you know flash drive that also goes in like a you can go into your phone like a you know special one with a dual thing so i can have another port available i don't know you know it's just really like let's get set up for the future so i'm not erased from existence but i remember i was getting very worried about the first day of school and i'm and i was just thinking about rocky and i was thinking about Mickey when he's like, I got see you kid, I got all this knowledge up here. I got all this knowledge. I want to give it to you. I want to give you all this knowledge. See, I didn't have anybody. They give me all this knowledge I got up here. I can give it to you. I can give it to you. I can give I'm a seventy six year old man. I just you know, it's just like, yeah, but I ain't got no locker. Well if you just asked me, kid, I would have given you you know, you just I just please I'm not, 
I just, I got all this knowledge. I got, I can give it to you. I get rock. I'm telling you, I gotta get it. And it's like, uh, what am I gonna? I gotta give it to the kids. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta take it out of my head. I got it all up here. What do I do with it? Just give me a chance, please. I'm 76 years old. Man, I, well, I got, I got a little locker. I came to you about 50 years ago. As we are, you became a leg breaker. You had talent, but you did nothing with it. You became a leg breaker. Please, just give me a chance. That's me, Rocky Marcia. He busted me up. His turtles, they make good soup. I'm all over the place. But I never had, I never had no management. I got all this knowledge. I got it up here, and I, I want to give it to you. I want to give you this knowledge. I want to take care of you. I want to make sure that all this shit that happened to me doesn't happen to you. You know what I mean? If the fight said, listen to me. I want to be your manager. You follow that, do you? The fight said I don't need no manager. But you can't buy what I'm going to give you. I mean, I've got pain and I've got experience. No, I got pain. I've got experience too. Listen, kid. Hey, look, hey, Mick. Look, I need your help about 10 years ago, right? 10 years ago? Right. You never helped me, no. You didn't care. Well, if you wanted help, I say, if you wanted help, why didn't you ask? Why didn't you just ask me, kid? Look, I asked, but you never heard nothing. Well, I, I, uh, I don't know, I'm 76 years old. Anyway, continuing on from last Tuesday when we had the show, the Comedy Cellar show at the Comedy Cellar after, you know, the debacle of what was the comedy show, Noam was eating outside. So I, the owner of the cellar was sitting, so I sat with him as I was early for the show and it was another beautiful day in New York City and we just sat outside we, the first thing he did was, how come you didn't do the game? And then I explained to him why. I mean, it's just, oh, my God, we're picking up where we left off. And I said, I made a game time. He said, he goes, oh, Esty's so stubborn. And I'm like, well, we'll just wait until you open up that McDonald's club. He's like, oh, I don't know when that's going to happen. I'm like, I know. I'll wait. I'll wait. Well, we had a nice talk. And then I decided, well, you know what I'm going to do? I'm, gonna, I'm just going to go to the stand which is another comedy club. I'm like, maybe I'm done with this seller. Maybe I've had it here. They're not interested in me. I'm not interested in them. I mean, even though Noma's nice and he is interested in me, if I can't do my shows, I mean, maybe I can do them in another club, right? I've been looking for another club. Like, maybe I'll try out the stand. I don't know. I, I, I kind of got a buddy there. Maybe I can find out. So that's what I'm thinking in my head, right? And we had Nick on that night, which was really great. And then Mike and I afterwards went out for a couple of drinks. This is why I was still a little nervous about my sickness, so we had two drinks at a bar, and then I walked home. So I, I guess I, I must have walked home. Well, I walked halfway Monday, and then I'm like, I'm, I'm pushing myself too hard. I know I'm not ready because of the humidity and everything, you know. And then on Tuesday, I walked, you know, but I had the two beers, and I got a headache again. And I'm like, you know what? I'm, I'm really nervous. I'm going to relapse into whatever it is. I'm not horribleness, but just like I don't want headaches. I don't want any trouble. I'm trying to hydrate, but it's not working, so something's wrong. I just went home, and I think Chappelle was having his birth. Dave Chappelle was having his birthday party at the cellar. Was that what it was, or was he coming there that night? Something was 
I know everybody was flustered because I think they were closing the place so Dave Chappelle could have his birthday there. And I'm like, I can't even go to that because I'm I'm just not well enough. Or I didn't think, I just wanted to take care of myself. And then on Wednesday, you know, I was home and I just didn't do anything except to go across the street and get a coffee with my, you know, favorite barista there who wasn't there. And I ordered the the bag of coffee, the bag of iced coffee. And then the manager was there. And I guess we were talking for a little bit. And then he goes, oh, we don't have any whole milk. What, you know, why don't you have any whole milk? He's like, well, I can go get some. I'm like, all right, well, how long is that going to take? He's like, well, I got to go to Trader Joe's. I'm like, why don't you just go the... Why don't you just go to the deli across the street and just get it? I'm sitting, and so then I asked for my money back, and I said, "Forget it. You, I don't. I don't want it because I didn't want." Do they even have skim? Yeah, they have skim milk. I hate skim milk with coffee. I, I just can't stand it. I, it makes it not the right color, and it bothers me. They didn't have almond milk, which I would have taken. They didn't have that. They only had oat milk, which I'm just not interested in. So I'm like, "Can you just give me my money back?" And they gave me my money back, and I felt like an idiot. But I'm like. Pfft. You don't have whole milk. What are you kidding me? What's a nice coffee without a whole milk? I mean, I guess, I don't know. I, like I said, I would add almond milk. Oat milk sounds gross. I've never had it before. I don't want to try it now. I wasn't in the mood. I was just, all I want to do is go get the coffee. Then I got to go back upstairs for work. So I'm, I'm walking with the manager as he's going to try. I'm like, well, I'm just going to go to the deli across the street, which is exactly what you should do. And then we wouldn't be in this fix. You son of a bitch. Anyway, on Friday... Because I think I did nothing. No, maybe I did go visit my mom, but I really took it easy. I didn't do anything after. I was very uptight about a relapse, which I I just, you know, you know what I'm saying, right? I just wasn't right. I could tell something was wrong, and I don't know what it was, but from what I've heard about, I guess, this brand of COVID or whatever it is, it it does last a little longer. I didn't feel sick or anything. You know what I'm saying. You know, my my friend Steve asked me if uh, outside Steve asked me if I wanted to go to Madison Square Garden to see Dave Chappelle. You know, go backstage and hang out because and 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 I did. Like, he wanted to know if I wanted to go on Saturday, and I really did want to go, and I wanted to go with him because I heard Justin Timberlake was going to be there, and I'm like, well, I really want to meet him, and I knew it would be fun, and it's a big event, right? I mean, how sweet of him to even invite me. And I just, I said, no, I'm like, I'm just not interested today. I am, I cannot picture myself even going to the garden. There's just too many people. I'm not in a good place um, physically or mentally to do that. And I feel like an idiot turning your lovely invitation down. But I, I want to be in 100% shape for class. And the worst part is I feel about it, you know, we waited two weeks, take a week off, you know, that's podcast gold that I want to tell you. Here I am telling you about Back to the Future, you know, like in, in, in the early script, uh, you know, what I could have been saying. So I say to Justin Timberlake, I'm like, what's with you, man? What's with it? I mean, are, are we getting back together with NSYNC? Or, I mean, there's all, you know, all these celebrities show up there and most of the comics I know, and you know how it is. And it's very entertaining to tell the tale after obviously Jeff Ross was opening for him. You know, it's perfect. And going with Steve would be perfect. But then I, you know, I know, but the after party would be in this red room, which we told you about, like, you know, places where Rolling Stones hang out and stuff, not that day, but you know, like, and I just picturing too many people and I'm like, oh, this isn't, I can't do it today. 
or tomorrow. I just, I know it's going to ruin me for the rest of the week because you know with Dave Chappelle, that party's going until at least five in the morning and I got to work the next day and I won't get any sleep and that's how I suffer. And I'm like, I just can't do it. And I felt like an idiot. I didn't feel like I missed out. It wasn't that kind of feeling. I felt like I did the right thing. And thank God I had gone once before, so I didn't feel that bad because otherwise I'm like, I'm missing out. And I did feel a little bit that, but I'm glad I made the right choice. But I feel bad. I felt bad for you guys as podcast listeners because, you know, that is the fun and the juxtaposition of Juskow in the city. He has a regular job. He also now uh, is... uh, what do what, what I want to call it? Uh, is, uh, I'm thinking of Superman, uh, not Jessica Dan, but uh, the uh, uh, disguised as a mild manner professor at a small university in New Jersey. Uh, you know, that. And then, you know, you're hanging out with John Hamm and uh, who's the, 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 the singer that um, John Mayer, Justin Timberlake, all the guys I, I haven't met Justin Timberlake before, but I know those guys. How cool is that when they're like, Jessica, or even Chappelle is like, Jessica, it's always good to see. I mean, that's the hilarious part of my life, which is really interesting. And so I felt bad for not because the only reason I was like that I felt bad. I was like, oh, I feel like my podcast listeners are going to be upset that I didn't go, but I just couldn't do it. And again, I think it was the right move. So on Monday, I walk home from work the full five miles. I'm like, all right, now I'm. I'm back. I'm, I'm going to do it. I'm going to push myself tonight. You know, I'm going to go for it. Even if I have a head, I'm going to hydrate. And I go to uh, the Trader Joe's, even though I know it's going to be crowded, and I get a little piece of chicken and some dip because that's what I'm going to have. I'm not going to order a full meal for my third meal of the day as you know what they feed us at the office. And as soon as I get home, I walked five miles, biked down there that day, walked five miles back, and then Jeff calls, and he's like, hey, do you want to have dinner? And I'm like, oh, my God. I just got home. I just walked five miles. And he's like, oh, come on, we'll get Chinese food. I'm like, oh, damn it. He said the magic word. Nobody ever wants to go to a Chinese restaurant, even though Hannah didn't mind going to a Chinese restaurant, which is why I love her. Who, by the way, was kind enough to become a Patreon subscriber. Thank you, Hannah, if you are indeed listening today. That is extremely kind of you. I really do kind of worship you and had such a lovely time with you uh, last week. But so I took Jeff to that same restaurant. I said, well, actually, I know one on 12th and 3rd. My friend Hannah and I went to a couple weeks ago. It's really good. So he's like, so I'm like, I'll, I'll, all right, fuck it. I'll, I'll, I'll do it. I, I had to do it because I was like, I already gave up this. I'm like, I'm not just only in town for a couple days. I'm like, you know, I only saw him once. Let me go. Let's do it. Let's do it. I wasn't feeling bad. I wasn't feeling sleepy. I'm like, I'm going to do it. And so I rode the bike back down to where he lives by the Washington Square Park. And then we walked over to the restaurant and we get there and we sit down. And who sits down next to us who I didn't notice for a long time? And I guess she was staring at me the whole time. Paradox. <laughs> no, no Bigfoot, but just Paradox and her friends. It was so funny. And we got up and we hugged. And I introduced her to Jeff, which, of course, then is also very exciting because she's there with her friends. They all know who Jeff is. So it's exciting for me because, you know, then it makes me seem like, oh, yeah, he's friends with all these kind of people. You know, so it's like then it's even better, 
you know, they're like, oh, wow, I can't believe we were sitting next to Jeff Ross. You know, it's exciting. So Jeff and I had a nice time. And then he was telling me about the show and how amazing it was and how, I mean, it really, I don't think he's bragging. I think he's saying, here's what I did. And it really is unbelievable when you hear about it. He opens the show cold. People are still walking in. And he went into the fucking audience at Madison Square Garden. This guy doesn't have balls to the walls. And just starts roasting people in their seats. I mean, with a wireless mic <laughs> at Madison Square Garden. It, it is kind of funny. You know, when you're in Madison Square Garden and you're seeing it from Billy Joel's perspective, it doesn't feel that large. Because now I've performed at bigger venues, you know, and those bigger venues, when you're looking out, don't seem as intimidating as when you're there and you're picturing yourself on stage. So, you know, I can see, but remember the lights are full on and he's just walking around and he said the audience was going crazy, which I believe him completely. And then he got up and maybe did 10 minutes, then he walked in, whatever it was. And then he was introducing everything. It's amazing that Chappelle's given him this opportunity to just really boost whatever he's planning or whatever and uh well you know when i heard that then i got a little upset that i kind of missed it you know anyway after dinner a beautiful dinner another lovely meal at this uh handy nasty <laughs> he's like hey do you want to i have a, a spot at the stand do you want to come over i'm like well you know i've been thinking about maybe seeing if i can get in there so okay and wouldn't you know I walk in, first of all, Mark Norman and Matt Salakus are there. Those are the guys, you know, we did the, um, where I played the Greek waiter in there. So already I'm like, oh, this is great. And then my friend Joe, who is the manager there, saw me, goes, oh my God, Juskow, I was just thinking about it. I haven't seen you in such a long time. And I'm like, you know, I was thinking about calling you too. I was wondering if I could maybe work here a couple times because I'm not happy with the way things are going with the seller. And he goes, oh yeah, yeah, I, I can put you on. I mean, it's tough to get in, but I, I think I can put you on a couple of spots you know, we have a Monday night show and I can I can give you a couple spots a week. And I'm like, well, that'd be terrific. So it was great. I also, um, oh God, I saw Janine Garofalo was there and she's like, wait, I, I haven't seen you in a long time. Like we, she didn't know my name or anything, but uh, I'm like, I know, I think it's been 20 years. <laughs> she looked okay, but uh, I don't know what her story is. Like I said, since she stopped drinking, she hasn't been that funny, but that's all right. Anyway, it was really nice to see everybody as it always is, right? Then I go downstairs, I see Jeff, uh, I see Mark, Norman, and uh, I see this guy, Aaron Berg, who was really funny. He was standing in front of me like, he's like, oh, sorry, sir. I didn't realize, you know, he was doing a bit, which was really good. He's, it was nice. It's always nice to goddamn see everybody. And I left there and I'm like, all right, I'm going to go. I'm not going to make it a big night with Jeff. I'm sure he wants to go to the cellar and I definitely don't want to do that. So I was already on the east side, and I walked home again, right? So how many miles did I walk that day? I guess eight and then two bike rides. So I probably, you know, exercised about 15 miles or so that one day coming off my cold or whatever, but I felt fine. So I'm walking up 45th Street and 3rd Avenue, and I'm calling my friend Joe, and I'm like, Joe, what do I always say? What do I say to the podcast? You got to leave the house. Good things happen. So isn't it great that I said, fuck it, I got to push myself because I know when I leave the house, good things happen. And that's exactly what happened. 
you know, going to the state. I mean, just it all worked out right. Seeing people, it's nice. You, you know, it just gives you feel like you're part of the experience. What's the point of living here if you're not going to go out and do stuff like that? So I was feeling pretty good. As I'm walking, I get a phone call from Mark Norman, and he's like, did you just walk past 45th Street and 3rd Avenue? I'm like, yeah. I'm looking around. I'm like, uh, yeah. And he goes, we're on the rooftop of the Perfect Pine, and we just saw you walking. Come upstairs and have a beer with us. And I'm like, okay. And then, you know, I was on the phone with Joe. I'm like, you're not going to believe this. <laughs> and so I went up, and, you know, we had another drink again. It was a beautiful night. We're on this rooftop outside. And it was so funny that they could see me from, you know, it's a fourth floor, but I guess, I think I walk funny. Like people have always told me my walk is very bouncy and noticeable. So I guess that's how they know. I mean, the guy who recognized me was like a camera guy who I don't know out of the three guys that were there. And uh, it was really funny. So it was nice to see uh, those guys again, you know, and. And then they all took city bikes home, which was so funny. I'm like, I love these guys. And I just walked the rest of the way and was really uh, thrilled that I went out and did something and, you know, just had one drink. So I didn't have a, maybe I had it, but I, you know, I hydrated. I, I drank more water. And then, of course, I got up early the next morning, went to work, but it was fine. You know, I mean, then I was good for the rest of everything. I'm back. I don't have a headache today. But it's like, you know, one of those headaches where like, you're like, uh uh-oh, if I make one wrong move, or even if I talk about it, it's going to get worse. But I feel much better today. In fact, when I leave you right now, I'm going to see another Broadway show called Kimberly Akimbo, which came from the Atlantic Theater Company right after Sarah's show, not only made it to Broadway, but won Best Musical of the Year. So I'm going to see that with this girl, Amanda, who unfortunately for me might have been at that comedy club where Chris Murphy showed my net worth because she definitely does a podcast with another girl who definitely for some reason thinks I'm rich which I but that was two years ago or maybe three years ago so I don't know how why she thinks that but somebody must have told her something so unfortunately it looks like uh, this is the same situation but as you know I'm so desperate to take somebody I don't know, you know, I mean, I just don't have the, the, the pickings are slim. I took a lawn, you know, to Back to the Future. So I want to see these shows. I have a way to get, you know, cheaper tickets. And I just want to see everything I can because I can't stand. I missed the uh, Sean Hayes show about Oscar Levant. And I heard he played the piano and everything. I was very upset about that. And I want to stop missing these shows. And, you know, I like to see all these shows and report back to you. And even just the fact that, oh, I saw that. It's really, you know, be part of the conversation. I don't read. I mean, I'm starting to read. But, you know, it's really exciting when you can tell people, oh, I read that book. It's really, I mean, then you feel like uh, smart. So, you know, I like seeing all these shows. And sometimes they're great and sometimes they're okay. And even when they're bad, it's really fun to tell you guys about. So it'll be fun. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know if, you know, again, I don't know the date or whatever it is. But uh, it is what it is. And at least I get to see a show and bring a pretty girl and what's better than that? Uh, especially, you know, if I run into uh, somebody else on the street that I know. I mean, that's always the best. You know, sometimes you can get other dates just by being seen with somebody that's uh, very pretty, right? Everybody knows that. That's the way it's always worked. Marty! Yeah! Marty, you got to come back with me. Where? Back to the future! It's incredible! You're not going to believe your eyes! Get in the car! 
Right now, we're right in the middle of a song. I'll have you back in 30 seconds. After all, it's a time machine. Come on. You're the dog, dog. All right, excuse us, everyone. There's a little science experiment going on here. Uh, give us a room. Doug, we're in the town square. Uh, we don't have enough roads to get to 88. Roads? Where we're going, we don't need roads. What? That all being said, I guess that's it for our premiere show of season eight or nine. I will definitely figure that out. Welcome back, everybody. Great to see everybody. I hope you enjoyed uh, today's show. Like I said, not a lot going on. I don't, the bonus show, I think there's like, I don't know, five, six photos. But I'll put it together anyway because we haven't been together in two weeks. And they're just Back to the Future photos. And that's really all you need. Back to the Future. It's a Back to the Future week. What am I going to do? What are you going to do? Uh, back to the Future. So it's beautiful. Next week, it doesn't matter. The important thing is we're back. It's September. It's awesome. And this is Juskow the City. I'm Dave Juskow. And I am happy to perform this podcast for you. See you next time, everybody. Bye.